Right now, you're listening to the Azeem Digital Asks All-Round Digital Marketing Podcast, the podcast that covers traditional and non-traditional marketing topics with brilliant guests and brilliant insights. Stay tuned for another great episode. Hello and welcome back to the Azeem Digital Asks All-Round Digital Marketing Podcast. A brilliant episode and a brilliant guest I have for you today. We're talking all about conducting organic competitor research, something which I think we could all do with learning a bit more about. A brilliant guest for you, Andrew Cockstarkey, aka Andrew Optimizey, aka the nicest man in this industry, <laughs> hands down. I love him. Andrew, welcome to the show, mate. Thanks, Azim. It's an honor and a privilege to be here. I am really looking forward to this episode. Let's just dive right in. So for those who shamefully do not know who you are, first things first, hit pause and go and click the link in the notes and follow him. Would you love to, obviously, once you've done that, would you love to give yourself a proper and better introduction, my friend? <laughs> well, I think you kind of summed it up neatly in that it's Andrew Cockstarkey, a.k.a. Andrew Optimizey. Um, because, yeah, so most people know me who have heard of me, uh, a few a few outside my household. But, yeah, know me as Andrew Optimizey because um, that's the name of the consultancy that I run. And I also run some SEO events, uh, free-to-attend ones in Cambridge in the UK where I'm based. Um, and I've had some phenomenal speakers come and speak at these events. So lots of people who've also been on your show too. Um, so yeah, lots, lots of people have heard of the Optimize the events, but um, that's, that's, I guess, what I'm known for. So consultancy and running SEO events. And being very good at it. So let's dive straight in. All about organic competitor research. I think the best place to start, Andrew, is the benefits of this. So what would you say the benefits are of conducting competitor research organically? So I think you really need to know what kind of ballpark you're playing in, right? Because, like, you know, we've all had those kind of clients that turn up and go, oh, I want to be top of Google. And the first question is then, okay, top of Google for what? And it's like, well, top of Google for, you know, I don't know, buy shoes in Cambridge. And it's like, right, great. Well, who's currently top on the search for results when you go to buy shoes in Cambridge? Oh, look, it's, you know, Amazon and you know, all these other huge retailers and all these guys, are you really going to go and play in that playground with those kids? Or do you want to be something like a little bit more niche? So if you don't know, you're, it's kind of like going in blind. If you don't do your organic research and know about the SERPs, like the search engine results pages that you're trying to compete in and the keywords you're trying to compete against and who you're trying to compete against to get into those search results, then you're just kind of shooting bullets in the dark, really. Love that. Reminded me uh, of a story where I, was at an agency and uh, I had a very niche client for industrial glue but he was adamant anybody who typed in glue wanted to be number one <laughs> yeah not not really. well it's you know so it's all those kind of things yeah we've all had those kind of clients it's like you know so where um you know you want to be number one for a, a term i'm trying to think of a good example now but like you know where the ne- the one single word like glue is also the name of a movie and it's also the name of a band and it's also the name of a product and it's also the name of a brand and you know number one for apple like what apple okay right so apple they're fine we all heard of like ipods and all that kind of stuff but what about the little people that sell fruits and all those kind of things and what about yeah all those other kind of you know i'm sure there's a band and a movie called apple somewhere but you know, all those other kind of things that it's like what well, you can't just say oh, i want to be number one for that you need to look at what's there at the moment yeah absolutely and that's led me nicely to to my next question for you then so 
how often would you advise that people look at their competitors organically? Okay, so do I get penalty points for every time I say it depends? It depends. No, I'm joking. <laughs> um, so it, it does depend because it depends on like, you know, what kind of markets you're competing in. Like, you know, if you're in some, you know, uh, fast moving consumer goods, uh, lots of retail competitors and you've got the budget and the time and you're, you know, one of the kind of, I don't know, you're next who's competing against M&S, who's competing against Primark, who's competing against all these other kind of like, you know, big high street retailers, then it's probably for those big brands, it's probably already part of their day to day and they're doing it every day, keeping an eye on their competitors. If you're a consultant who's working on, you know, smaller clients or local businesses and that kind of stuff, then you can get away with doing it less often. So like, I, I think as long as you set like a kind of cadence for it, it needs to be one of those kind of things you have in your calendar where it's like once a month or once every three months, or once every six months, whatever it is, as long as you know then what kind of window you're looking back on. So it's okay, well, I'm going to look at my competitors' sites. I haven't done it for three months. So what have they done in three months? Oh, I can look and I can see, okay, right, well, in the last three months, their rankings went up in these areas. They produced this new content. Oh my God, they've got this whole new section of their website that we've never done anything like that before. How's that doing for them? All that kind of stuff. So you, yeah, as long as you've got a kind of rhythm to it, then I think sticking to that rhythm is better than saying, all right, you must diligently do it once a day. And then you feel terrible because you didn't. That is really useful advice. Thank you very much for sharing that. One question that made me think of is where would you begin? Like, where do you start when when you're looking at competitors organically? Typically, where would you start in your process? So when I'm working with clients, it's really interesting to ask them who they think their competitors are and then looking at who Google thinks their competitors are, because often they're really, really different because everybody goes like, oh, right, you know, so my comp- it's like when you ask like, you know, the marketing team, whatever, it's like, who's your target audience? And they go, oh, everyone, everyone wants our product. And it's like, no, no, not, not really. It's like, you know, my mum doesn't really want like, you know, your running shoes. She's in her 70s and she, you know, that she last went running sort of, you know, 40 years ago. So it's like, OK, not everyone. So, yeah, of course, there are, and I'm sure there's some septuagenarians out there who are very keen runners, but it's like, you, know, you can't say everyone. Um, but that kind of stuff where it's like, right, so, you know, when you're starting with this kind of thing, ask the clients who they think their competitors are. And that's really useful because it's like, then you've got some kind of benchmark of like, well, you think you're competing against Amazon or Next or Apple or Nike or whoever it is. And it's like, okay, that's that's a nice aspiration to have, but actually you're way down here and you're competing with, you know, Dave's shoes on the high street and you're competing with, you know, other, all these other kind of things. And like, sometimes they'll be competing with people they won't even have thought about because they're completely in this tunnel vision of apples are the fruit that you eat and they're green things that you grow on trees and you sell in your green grocers. And they might not have even realized that actually when you Google for Apple, the thing that comes up is iPads and iPods and they'll be like, oh my goodness, I didn't even realize that. And it's those kind of things where, you know, you can kind of open clients' eyes to okay, what you think your competitors are and who Google is putting you alongside in the search results or who is currently ranking number one in those kind of search results where you want to rank higher, these are the people you're really competing against. So that's often a good starting point, I think. Yeah, brilliant. And I love that distinction that you made there between what they think and what Google thinks. I think that's really, really important. Often terrifyingly different. (laughs) (laughs) So I'd love to learn more from you then. Uh, certainly in your experience, what would you say are the most common mistakes that you've seen when people are undertaking this type of activity? I think a big mistake is um, that, I, that I do often see is then people always look and they have a particular competitor in mind. They're like, oh, I want to be like 
you know, and again, I'm going to use the same examples. I want to be like Amazon and I want to be like Apple. And, I want, and it's that that's great. Okay. But like, you know, start comparing like for like, you're probably not going to compete against those people. But also just because you're, you know, even if your competitor that you've chosen is or your client is really focused on because, you know, they know the other person who's a baker in their village and they really hate that person and they're determined to beat them. And it's bit, okay, well, you know, you're kind of getting a bit obsessive about this one person. And actually, A, they're not the person you're competing with in the search results. And B, they're actually in a really different from your business. Like, you know, you might hate them, but, you know, they sell wedding cakes and you sell birthday cakes and it's totally different. But also just because your competitor's doing it, doesn't mean it works so you see these kind of thing where people go like oh my goodness you know our competitors brought this brand new section of their website and they put this whole new thing in and blah 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 and it looks like it looks really great and it's got whizzy things in it and the colors go up and down and the menus all look lovely and it's actually from a search point of view and from a marketing is it working because like you know you could then just copy them exactly word for word what they've done and it could also be you know you might you unless you've got an insight into their kind of finances they might be shooting money up the wall and be really regretting it and pulling it down as you speak while your site is frantically trying to catch up and build exactly the same thing for all you know they're frantically pulling it down off their website because it's been an absolute car crash and a huge waste of time and money but oh we've got to copy it because they've got it it's this classic kind of keeping up with the joneses thing so yeah that's a common mistake i see this like oh my capacity's done it i must jump and quickly do exactly the same thing solid gold content thank you very much for sharing that i guess now is a great time to discuss one of the features from episode sponsor se ranking so their competitive research tool can help you understand which channels and keywords bring traffic to your rivals or which products they offer that you miss you can get a general impression of your rivals backlink profile and dive into the history of the ads of your competitors betting on in search some of the information provided by the tool includes the domain's traffic estimate and its cost, the traffic share by page, the keywords that every page ranks for, the keywords that are driving traffic to a website, the keyword rankings, new and lost keyword statistics, CPC and the number of advertisers for each keyword. You can look at Google Ads marketing campaigns and the monthly ad history. So a huge thank you to them for sponsoring this episode. And if you'd like to take advantage of a 14-day free trial and learn more, please visit the link in the show notes to get started. It's a cool tool. I've used it. You should definitely check it out. Back onto the episode. One thing that I've done with all of my guests, Andrew, is I've had people reach out to me uh, who are very new to the digital marketing industry, and they've said they would love to know what sort of first steps to take. So for those who are very new to the industry and want to start taking their first steps into competitive research, where would you recommend that they begin? This is going to sound really trite, but it's like start on Google. So it's like, you know, this is a really like everybody get and no disrespect to SE ranking. I'm going to come back to them in a sec. But like, you know, everybody gets very excited about tools in SEO because it's like, oh, I've got to have this tool and this tool and this software and this thing. And blah. it's like at the end of the day, it's like it's what ranks on Google. Right. So start there. It seems a really obvious thing, but it's something that lots of people really overlook. And you'll be surprised at the number of SEOs or people that work in SEO that don't actually spend a lot of time in Google search results. They're always viewing it through this lens of a tool or another tool or a system or something like that. So go and have a look at the search results. So, you know, Google around for those kind of things that your client or the site you're trying to work on. It's like, oh, I'd really love to rank for, I don't know. So the silly example I often come back to is like, you know, I want to rank for crickets. Because it's like, all right, you know, I 
you know, I've got cricket kit that I want to sell. I used to work at Lord's Cricket Ground and we had great things around that. You know, obviously we we're trying to rank really high for cricket. We'd rank really well for those kind of terms in certain markets. But then there were lots of people that were actually looking for the insect crickets to buy to feed to their pet reptiles. And you don't want any of those. Like you, we didn't sell insects by the box to send to people to feed to their pet snake. So that all that kind of stuff is okay. So those kind of search results would be not quite what you thought they would be. And Google was a bit ambiguous of those kind of things because you, you can tell because it kind of mixes up the results. You know, Google will put in one that's about cricket bats and one that's about, you know, cricket the sport and one that's about crickets the insects and one that's about cricket like fire lighters used to get little lights. Um, cigarette lighters where there's a brand called cricket that make fun and if if google doesn't know then that's a big clue that actually this is probably a bit of a hot mess that you want to steer clear from if you're selling cricket bats then maybe let go and have a look at the search for cricket bats and you know so it's really easy thing to say but like go and look at search results and things and then you know start with tools and like it's very exciting and you spend lots of money and you can shoot your budget up the wall by an seo tools but like you know, things like se ranking that have free trials and stuff that you can have a go with and there's lots of tools out there that have these kind of free trials give them a crack like some of them are really expensive but some like se ranking are a bit more affordable and you can have a look at your competitors it feels like spying and kind of cheating in a way if you're brand new to this like a lot of people will ask me like am i allowed to look at this kind of data on my competitors it's like is that is that okay is that like kind of espionage or kind of hacking or whatever and it's like no, no, you're okay. It's like, this is all publicly accessible stuff. And you can see things, you know, like in SE ranking, you can see what they're spending money on. And if they're spending money on PPC ads to bid for those keywords, again, it doesn't mean that it definitely, definitely is making their money. They might be wasting all their budget. But probably if they're spending PPC money on those keywords, they're probably worth having. And if your competitors think they're worth having, then maybe you can have a little bit of a look into it and, you know, play around with these free trials and tools and, see where that kind of information gets you brilliant thanks very much for sharing that plus one couldn't agree with you more you've made me think of a question which uh i'll come back to but the next one that i wanted to to ask you is from what you've mentioned there it's obviously a very fine line and a fine balance about how much time that you dedicate looking into your competitors what dangers would you say there are would you say there's a danger that you can spend too much time looking in to competitors and not focusing on yourself or your clients how do you manage that yeah that's really that's really difficult and that's one of the other like your previous question about mistakes that people make it's another really obvious one to make when you're kind of looking at your competitors and you spend all your time looking at them then you end up almost chasing the wrong thing because you don't want to be the same as them if you're always thinking oh they've done this and they've done this and we should do that you're always just you're chasing them to the same point they're already there if you're looking at their site and going we must have that by the time you get there, they'll have moved on another three steps and you'll always be chasing the game. So there's always this kind of urge to, or oh, we must keep up with the Joneses is the kind of cliche thing. But it's like, don't forget about your aims and your business and what you're good at, and your USPs. Don't always be the same. Like, you know, what makes businesses stand out in everything, not just SEO, is that kind of unique selling point. What's unique about your business? How can you get to the point where your competitors are looking at you going, oh, we must do what Azeem's doing or we must do what they're doing. Like they're, you know, they're way ahead of us now. We've got to get that new thing. So it can be easy to get distracted and totally bogged down in just, you know, obsessing over what your competitors are doing. So remember that kind of thing, like take a step back every now and then and think, what do our customers really want? And are we in the right place to give that to them? And how do we tell them about that? So we're almost at the end of the episode, but there's one question that I'd love to ask and learn from you about. 
because you've got a vast experience in the industry while still managing to look young, younger than me, I will add. <laughs> uh, and that is, uh, what differences have you noticed throughout your career in the art of organic competitor research? So how has that changed? Bless you for talking about experience and saying how young I look, but not how old I am. Um, so how the art of um, or, uh, organic research and stuff has changed a lot. I think, you know, with as with lots of things, it's driven by what Google does, right? So when Google changes things, everybody jumps. It used to be that, you know, everybody would be, oh, I want to be, you know, top of page one. And then that wasn't good enough anymore because then it was like you've got to be position zero on page one because you get the featured snippet result. And now there's all these other kind of rich results and FAQs and all these other kind of things, these enhancements which you can get on uh, your site's appearance when it appears in the search results. And I think that kind of stuff makes it really interesting because you don't have to be number one anymore to get those kind of rich results you can get those kind of expanded sites site search links and faqs and all that kind of stuff just by you know having useful stuff on your site like you know you're making good use of schema markup and using all sorts of things like that so you know even if you're competing against the really big guns like you know amazons and the apples of this world you've got you know spend probably more in a couple of hours than most of us have in a budget for a year you can still kind of get in get in there sharpen your elbows a bit and get a really good looking search result that appears in position three or position four and still get an absolute boatload of traffic off the back of it so i think those are the kind of things which are then interesting for me around organic research and stuff and I think, you know, it's like with lots of things, it's just moved on. Like, you know, it used to be this whole, you know, we'd all obsess about word counts and, you know, they've written 500 words, so I've got to write 600. And it's like, you know, Google is getting better at discerning that kind of stuff. And I hope that that's leading the SEO industry in that kind of way to, you know, getting more down into the kind of, into the weeds of what's the actual intent here. You know, if the intent is to find out the time in Toronto, 600 words is probably over overcooking it a bit. If the intent is to find out, you know, the ins and outs of, you know, solicitor fees in land conveyancing then 600 words is probably nowhere near enough so i think hopefully it's moving the industry away from those kind of you know obsessions about the wrong kind of things yeah that's brilliant that's a fantastic way to put it and i'm hopeful that people will listen to this and, and take away a lot from that answer and from all of the answers that you've provided really andrew uh so yeah thanks very much for that just before we go uh, if people are listening to this and they don't follow or are not connected with you already, they're bad people. <laughs> where can they find out more about you? Where can they follow you? I spend way too much time on Twitter. Um, so I'm on there a lot, um, but pretty much everywhere I'm Optimizey. So if you go onto Twitter and look for Optimizey for our um, non UK based friends, it's Optimizey with an S, not a Z. Um, so optimizing on Twitter, you can find me on LinkedIn. I spend a fair bit of time on there too, but yeah, there's you, if you want to find all the talks from the great events stuff, I did optimize you on YouTube. So yeah, stick optimize, stick optimizing in Google and I'll come up if he's done it right. <laughs> it's all right. I, I mean, I'm average at SEO, so I'll be this, I'll be somewhere on page one. Yes, absolutely. Andrew, this has been brilliant. Thank you for taking some time out and sharing your knowledge, not only with me, but with the listeners. As always, I'm going to shut up now and let you have the final word on your episode. It's been an absolute pleasure to speak to you, Azim. You're a marvellous professional at this sort of thing. So it's just like having a chat with a, a good friend. So I hope if this is moderately useful to anyone, um, that would be great. Uh, the only thing I would say is, you know, if you're listening to this thinking, oh my God, there's so much and it's also intimidating. If you can do one thing to make your site better just this week or this month, then you're moving forward and that's great. So just take one thing out of this and try and make your stuff better and you'll get there. So 
So that was another great episode in the bag. I'm really enjoying hearing from some brilliant people in this industry. If you enjoyed this podcast, please follow me on Spotify. Please leave a rating on Apple Podcasts or whichever platform you are using. Tell a friend to tell a friend and hopefully see you for the next episode.